From the Duck South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. We're mass communicating. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. This is the End of the Line Podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I gave it a, uh, a 10. A 10. Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that. And now, here's your host, Rocky LaFleur. I bet you slice into the woods a hundred bucks. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir, and I never slice. Also starring Josh Webb, Jake LaTondras, Rob Kroon, David Ellis, and Ramsey Russell. Showtime. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Showtime, everybody! Showtime! Welcome to the End of the Line Podcast. I'm Rocky LaFleur in the Ducks House Studios. I'm back in the Ducks House Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. Joining me from Jackson. Do you claim Jackson or do you claim it'd be Brandon, wouldn't it, Wes? Who? Uh, I actually uh, I lived in Brandon for so long. And now I moved over here in Jackson, so I have to claim it because I live here, but I don't like to claim it. But so I guess it would be Jackson, you know. I guess that's what I have to do. You know, nothing pisses somebody off from Madison worse than telling them they're from Jackson. I love doing that. Oh yeah, they can't stand it, and and they even get really down into it when they're like, "Oh, my child goes to this school." My child goes to this school. It's the moms get into a battle over this. It's it's really a big thing, and I laugh at that. I I love. Uh, I'll do it just to irritate some of my best friends that are from from Madison. And Madison's a suburb of Jackson. No matter, you know, people live in Madison, work, drive into Jackson, and and work. But right. I'll when I introduce them to somebody, I'll say, this is such and such. They're from Jackson. I'm not from Jackson. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they don't like it. They'll let you know the street they're on. No, they'll let you know the neighborhood. That's a big one. See, that, that's, oh, yeah. that's, what they do, that's what they do around here. There's no cities. or It's actually, it's not even Jackson. They, they say, I'm from Deerfield. I'm from Reunion. That's a, it's a big thing. I'm like, oh, well, I'm I'm from this street. <laughs> I don't really give. I don't give. I don't have a neighborhood. <laughs> oh man! So Wes, I went out to Texas last week. Just got back Monday oh, afternoon, late Monday. I don't even know if I told you I was going to Texas. We loaded up and left on Thursday. Went out there and spent a couple of days. And I was going to tell you, I was thinking about you the whole time that I was out there, not in a weird way, but in Texas, everything was back wide open when we got there. We got there Thursday night, stayed at a hotel in, uh, right outside of Fort Worth. And when we woke up, Texas was kind of back to normal. Yeah. It had been on lockdown like everybody else, but uh, as of May the 1st, Texas opened back up. And it was so weird after two months, as crazy as this may sound, just walking into a restaurant and eating. Well, that that's the fear that that worked perfectly. That's the that's what the media has driven you to think. And it and it was really effective. And you know, you're if anybody knows you, Rocky, you're you're a tough guy. You know, you're like you said earlier in our second podcast, you're you're a shake hand type guy. And for you to sit here and be nervous about walking into a simple establishment uh that the media has effectively won. But I I what you're getting at with the Texas thing Texas is they run by a different set of rules to begin with. I mean, if it was up to Texas, oh, yeah. they would completely withdraw from the United States of America and be their own country. Uh the, these I cats agree. 
they run by a different set of rules than we ever even thought about. I've got friends that live in Texas, and they it's a different world. It's a whole different world. And within Texas, there's different cultures. It's sort of like Louisiana, but it's more extreme. You know, these these people from different areas actually don't like each other. Oh, you're from Fort Worth? You're from San Antonio? You can kiss my ass. They don't like each other. You know, it's just a different world. You know, the whole the big thing going on uh, in dealing with Dallas and Fort Worth and Texas right now is the lady that opened her store up a week early. Have you heard about her? The Yes. The the um the hairstylist. Now she's serving That's seven correct. days. Seven yeah, days, she I got believe. Thirty five hundred dollar fine and seven days in jail. Well, this alludes back to what I was saying about Texas. To see my hairstylist, uh Tina, props to you, Tina, for cutting my hair. And my hairstylist, we were talking about it and she was asking me what would happen if I opened. I said, we started talking about it, and I was like, well, you know, you could get fined. Other places could get jealous, throw you under the bus. It's a lot different than Texas. You know, in Texas, they have the three strikes you're out rule. You can have two felonies, and if you have, and I, I believe this is still in effect, if you get a third felony, you have life in prison. So they live by a different set of rules than everybody else. I'm not mistaken, uh, and I may be going crazy and way out on a limb here, but I think Texas put it in their constitution, man. If they wanted to leave the union at any point, when when they joined the United States, they could. Am I crazy in thinking that? It's somewhere in their nope, constitution. Yeah, no, nope. you, you are absolutely 100% correct. It would take – if they wanted to – if they push the envelope, they could look up next Tuesday and say, "We don't want to be a part of this anymore. Let's pack our let's let's pack our shit up and let's go." They really could do that. Now, I don't understand Texas law, the governing body system, or or what they have in place. What it would it take to do something like that? But it would be it would be an economic suicide if they did that because. We would cut them off. Most, oh yeah. Uh, the thing about it is, in the past twenty years, but let's let's take two factors into account that's happened in Texas. Number one, you have a large, um, a large Central American population coming into Texas that are taking lower income jobs away, or even going as far as taking government subsidies. Now. The other part that nobody really ever thinks about is how many people have moved from California to Austin. All of these techie, techie tech companies have moved away from California to escape the taxes and have moved to Austin. So, and then you take into the fact that most of West Texas is rural. I mean, there is nothing on the other side of I-35. It's a different state than it was 20 years ago. You'd hate to go out on a limb and go out there on your own now. Maybe 20 years ago, 30 years ago, but not now. You're right. You're right. You know, and it's funny you bring that up. Um, St. Louis and Denver, Colorado is kind of the same thing. This is funny, but when I, I lived in St. Louis for a while, about 10 years ago. And I noticed that no, most of the people I ran into were not actually from St. Louis. I mean, it, it took me a while to actually just friend somebody that was from there. They all moved there because there's credit card companies, uh, people from all over the world, basically. Uh, I lived in an apartment complex, and I was one of the few people that actually spoke English, much less even from the United States that lived in that apartment complex outside of St. Louis. And Denver, Colorado is the same way. Ronda Rousey uh, went on a tangent. I don't know if you saw this tangent, but it was it was golden. Ronda Rousey went on a tangent talking about everybody from California 
is not from California. And the ones that are from California pick up their ball and they move to Denver, Colorado. She went on a 10-minute tangent about it, about how fake it is. Coming from Ronda Rousey. So, yeah, Texas, I can see that. And also, too, what's, what, Texas with the, the square mileage of Alabama and Mississippi combined and even more, it's huge. How long does it take you to get from the west end to the east end of Texas if you're driving 60 miles an hour? What, a whole day? It's 12 hours. 12 hours. If you if you left Oxford, Mississippi, where could you go in 12 hours? You can go to seven or eight different states. Massive. Massive. Oh, it is humongous. I mean, but like I said, once you get past that I-35 corridor that goes from Dallas to, to uh, San Antonio, uh, down to well, it turns into thirty-seven, according to Corpus Christi. You go west of that, and it's it's rural. It is nothing uh, through there. It's, it's nothing. I'll nothing till California. Going, <laughs> yeah, I mean, up and down that thirty-five, though, that thing is one big city. All the cities are growing into each other. From from Waco to Austin, you never really get. I remember as a kid going out there to see my uncle that it, it was it was still pretty rural, rural. But it, you know, from Waco to Austin, you, you never really lose sight of lights or buildings anymore. It's grown up. But hey, let me just say this: back to this Shelley Luther story. She's the salon owner in Dallas. She defied the order and opened up a week earlier. She must have no good friends and. In Jackson, like we do up here in Oxford right now. But anyway, she opened up a week early. So they shut her down, arrested her, and she got sentenced yesterday. Like I said, $3,500 fine, seven days in jail. Somebody started her GoFundMe um, account, and I think it's she's had over $200,000 raised in her name. But, you know, she told the judge, she said, listen, I had to open. I had to feed my family. And I think that that's the reason that you're seeing the uprisings across the country. You know, we we call that an anarchy. I mean, people are tired of it. They're tired of it. All right, they're they're actually walk. tired. I, I want to walk. Yeah, I want to walk back through this timeline because it's something that I got into a little bit of an argument with. You know, one of your friends on social media today, Wes. Let's walk back through this just a second. I, want to, I, know, this I is, know who it was. <laughs> let, let's walk back through it. Because, all right, in the early March, you know, there were some extremists out there predicting that we could have as many as 40 million people die in the U.S. Now, a week later, a few days later, they came out and said it could be 10. And then, the, you know, they... The, Social distancing came out, and hey, we'll be we'll be lucky to be in that one million to two point two million range. And you know, it's constantly backed off. It's constantly yep. backed off since then. The number of people uh, that they predicted to die from the coronavirus. Now we're sitting around um, forty thousand. Yeah, they there's they still some sites still say. 60 or 70, and some, you know, have taken off that number. But, you know, the thing about it is you, the whole purpose of the social distancing and staying at home was to, to flatten that curve, as they called it back then. You didn't want to overrun the hospital with people. And there's, there's not a huge chance of that through the summertime. Let let the people go. Quarantine the people that that are diabetic, immunocompromised, elderly. Keep them socially distanced away from people. Let the healthy people go. We found out that it's not really that bad for young people. All the way up to That's 55. Right. Now, now, the numbers start going up once you get past that 55-year-old number. That's right, because your 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 pre-existing conditions. There's all kinds of things that go into that medically outside of the actual virus. I agree, but 
here, here, here we go. You know, we've gotten past the flattening the curve. Now, like Clay Travis, Clay Travis posted a picture of him and his family eating in a restaurant last night in Florida. He's on vacation. One of my favorite people, highly intelligent people to follow on Twitter. And here come the liberal nut jobs just hammering away at Clay Travis for being out in a restaurant. Well, in Florida, it's legal right now. You can be in a restaurant. You know, they're they're keeping capacity down to about 25%, just like in Texas. But now it's wait until we get a vaccine until we open things back up. Well, that never was the deal. You know, the thing it that never, we've it learned never was. From, a, from an epidemiology standpoint, the best cure for something as weak as this has been, it's been proving proven over and over and over that this virus is is weaker variety on healthy people. The best thing for that is herd immunity. That's right. Look at the Swiss. Look at North Dakota. You know, I've, I've talked Dakota. about this. Your man crush yes. on South Dakota's governor. Yes. Well, I mean, do you blame me? She looks like a mix between Sarah Palin and Megan Fox. She's good I mean, looking now. Yes, she's got it together. She's been married 28 years, three kids, and like my buddy said, she probably knows, has the knowledge to hit center mass with a bat. You know, uh, grew up on a farm. You know, and grant granted is South Dakota, you know, but but she's going by the same mentality of what you just said. We have to get immune to this. You know, we if that okay, the longer you stay inside and keep that damn mask on you, like these crazy people are doing, driving around with nobody in the car, they have a mask on. <laughs> you're basic. That is the craziest shit I've ever seen. As long as we keep doing that, you are actually lowering your immunity. You have a better chance of getting sick. You wash your hands every thirty minutes. Nobody's around you. You you, you look. You basically what you are is you're you're the Mister Clean. You look just like him. Might as well shave your head, put on the earrings, wear the white shirt, because you're you're Mister Clean at that point. You're going to get sick quicker. I'm not saying go lick doorknobs. I'm not saying any of that mess. I'm saying we need to stop living in this mass fear. This this panic, like, like, That's exactly it's, it's, what right. the media, it's like the media does. Hey, we're, we're, we're now dropping all these numbers from Pennsylvania, New York, L.A., New Orleans. We're dropping the numbers. And what do they do? Hey, there's a murder hornet. There's a murder hornet. It's going to come kill your ass, your whole family. Well, little did they know about the murder hornet. That's actually, an, it's been around forever. It's an Asian giant hornet. And it literally has the same sting as about a bee or a wasp. It's not lethal, and they do not mess with you. They found one nest outside of Washington, and they exterminated it. This hornet has been here as long as we have, basically, probably before, because if you look at how large they are. You know, I'm going to tell you what. Murder hornet, these red wasps up in the corner of my house, hell no. I'd bring on the murder hornets. They, these red wasps, I can't kill them. They just keep coming. I don't know what's going on. They love my holly bushes. They they, they love holly oh. bushes. Oh, yeah. Explain the, me, the, the explain worst, me the, why. The worst are those paper wasps. You, 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 I'm sure you've seen the subspecies, the paper wasp. That's the ones that, that build those. Um, they're a lot bigger of a uh, nest than the, the regular red wasp have. But when they come out, they attack like a like a yellow jacket or a hornet. Yeah, yeah. It's like two two things I hate in life. I hate a yellow jacket that comes out of ground because when I cut grass, you don't know where they're at, and I don't care how how badass you are, they're going to chase you down. I hate red wasps, and I tell you another one I hate is sweat bees, and that that's a southern thing. You're you're you, people up north don't know what a sweat bee is. But that that's woo man, a sweat bee is tough. They are tough. I can deal with wood bees, they don't bother me. 
mosquitoes, I can deal with those, but a sweat bee, or and, and it doesn't matter in the South what pool you're in, a big black uh, uh, fly, uh, what the hell is the name of it? The big black horse fly will land on. Oh you. yeah, you deer fly. They love it. The deer fly. Is that what that is? What's the, the difference between a land. for a horse fly and a sweat? I mean, a horse fly and a deer fly. What what is it? Is there a difference or is it the same thing? A deer fly is smaller and they have like a stripe going across their wings. They are awful. They bite like crazy. They draw blood. They oh, yeah. they literally bite into you. You know that that, that was. I didn't mean to get off in the tangent, but the media has driven us to go into these murder hornets, which basically is a giant Asian hornet. It's not some new hybrid lab-made thing. It's been around, and they're not going... Okay, if I would give you a prime example. Remember in the 90s? Remember in the 90s, they, before we had social media, the news, I'll never forget turned on it, and, and Peter Jennings was saying that killer bees have been spotted, and they're coming oh, up. Yeah. Where are these killer bees? Where are these killer bees at? I don't see any killer bees. It's just fear. It's fear. It's propaganda. It's to it's to really keep you at bay, keep you in check. That way they can control the public. I'm convinced of it. You know, neither 100%. one of us are medical experts. Not I don't want to ever try to be the but I I love reading, I love reading data. I love reading facts because a lot of times what you're hearing people shout from the loudest are it's usually not true. Right. But the you know, people get enough. And and you're starting to see it in this country. You're starting to see people get enough of being locked indoors, you know, just like the lady in Dallas, you, 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 you gotta, you gotta feed your family. Um, You're right. I never want to have to depend on the government. Jeez, the most everything that they touch, they screw up. But anyway, you know, the thing, the other side of it is what I was thinking about last week, because it was hot out in Texas. It was 96 where I was. Did it rain at all? Say, no, it was it was beautiful. It was windy, kind of like it is here now, but it was from the south. It was hot. But I was sitting there thinking to myself, you know, if this virus is going to pass through and it's a, if it's a respiratory virus, what better time to get it than in the summer? You you sure don't want something attacking your lungs in the middle of the winter when it's cold. Am I right or wrong about that? Is that just stupid opinion? No, it's not stupid because <clears throat> take aside the pollen. Take aside the pollen. But if it, if it's summertime, you know, because what I have heard and what I have read is that heat, UV rays, clean air is, oh, wait. is a Hold death. On. The, the UV now, they they made fun of Donald Trump talking about the UV light. And what do you think they're treating subways and different public areas in New York? UV. You, you, nail, you nailed it. One big-ass tanning bed. You nailed it. Which, you know, I, I don't mean that's a whole other situation, but. You know, the summer, um, you 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 go out in the sun, you get you get your you get your vitamin, you sweat. You, it's it's a, it's a natural cleansing. You know, uh, I, I was reading that Asians back in in let's see three four hundred years ago, when they would get a sickness. Cold, flu, whatever. This is beyond three. For this is during the samurai, uh, way long time ago. They actually would wrap people up in blankets and stick them out in the sun, and they would sweat this out. The UV would kill it, 
And if you look in the 30s and 40s, when we had pandemics, they would roll people out on carts into the center of the sun. And it's very effective. It's a, it's a natural way to cleanse your body. So I agree with you. I'm not, I'm not a doctor. It's just if anybody has any kind of common knowledge, you know, you, you just, when you get out in the sun, you feel better. Yeah. I mean, you, you just, you simply feel, but you need the sun to live. You know, what, what, grows, what grows without sun? Black mold. What does black mold do to your body? It kills your ass. You got to have sun. I think, I think, that is, I think when this summer rolls around and we start popping off these temperatures around, what do we average here in Mississippi? 93 across the board during the summer? You, you, oh, you, yeah. uh, across the state. I think, I think that's going to drop a lot of this considerably. You know, you, I, see, you what, wanna, and, and I guess... And I guess what I'm saying is, Wes, if I want to, if a respiratory illness like that is going to move through, there's no better time for, than it to move through than the hot, humid summer. And You're exactly it right. Won't, it won't be as extreme as it would in the winter. And so it goes back to the herd immunity mentality that I was, or science that I was talking about. What better time to move it across the whole herd than during the summer? Let's get this thing out of the way. That's the and, perfect you know, time. The, and the elderly, the immunocompromised, the diabetic, the diabetic people that it really affects. Hey, they're they're talking about a vaccine this fall, October, November. That's crazy. Thank Trump for that for moving the FDA out of the way where we can get that done. Yeah, well, my biggest fear, and you know, uh, this is where my conspiracy comes out. You know. I've, I always have that in the back of my head. I honestly believe this is going to be a seasonal thing like the flu. And if we do this and we, we clear it out to where it's minimal, because I, I, I'm predicting right now there's not going to be a zero death rate with this thing. I think it's going to be constant. We might nip it in the bud, but I think it's going to be here, and this might ramp up next flu season. You know, you know, you and I touched on this before, but it's just personally what I believe. But before I get off into that rabbit hole, I completely agree with you that I think that the humidity, the clean air, being out in the sun, sweating, because what happens when you sweat? What happens to the sun? You drink water. Fluids have been known and proven to kill this virus because you swallow it. It gets in your stomach. It dies. I, I think that's going to be a big one right there. And I'm not a doctor, but this is what I've read, you know, from, from credible doctors that are in the industry outside of that crazy one that talks on the podium every day. And you know which doctor I'm talking about. <laughs> hey, I, you know, one of the things I was telling you earlier in a phone conversation earlier today if if you look back on the daily death rate overall for the U.S., the overall daily day death rate uh, for you, t you take any of the past month and a half and compare it to 2018 or 19 or 17, it, it's pretty comparable. We're actually on some, a lot of days we're a little bit lower than in the past. So I ask. Is, is coronavirus really killing that many people, or are we just substituting what they died from coronavirus where we get that extra government payment to the hospital? Because we're still for having every, the same number of deaths. For, for every coronavirus death, for every coronavirus death in America, the hospital gets $13,000. Now, you guys listening, I'm going to tell you this. I, I researched this before this podcast specifically so I could say this. It's factual. For every corona death that is listed, the hospital gets $13,000. For every ventilator that the coronavirus, you know, contracted, they get $39,000 per person. So they have been told and instructed 100% that 
instructed to say, hey, if you have coronavirus and you died from a heart attack, we're going to go ahead and say you had coronavirus. That hospital gets $13,000. I, I have been hearing about this. I didn't believe it. We talked about it earlier, and I did the research, and it is a real thing. You get 13000 I think it's around 13000 It might be fourteen, but it's in that ballpark per person that's listed as a coronavirus death. Or hospitals. could it be? And hospitals are hurting. You know, without doing elective procedures that they normally do at a hospital, uh, a knee replacement or ACL or let's say, uh, you know, any uh, kind of elective procedure, a uh, bypass, you know, I'm sure emergency bypasses are still being done, but, you know, without that money rolling in, like I said, somebody maybe die of a heart attack, they're asymptomatic, like, it's COVID. Look, let me, let me tell you something. My mother... I went to Birmingham this past weekend, first time, and I love you, Mom. I love you, Heidi. I love you, Wesley. I love you, Baker. It was a good visit, and it was a great visit, first time in three months. You know, that, that's just a long time to not see your family. But anyway, glad I got that visit. But she informed me because I, I saw her limping. I said, Mom, what you limping from? She said, I, I need a knee replacement. I said, go get your knee replaced. She goes, it's elective. I can't do it. So my mother is sitting here struggling and just can't go get this done. Uh, it's wild. There's, the hospital's got to make money some way. You know, she, I don't know. That kind of infuriated me. Maybe somebody out there can do it. Maybe another state. I don't know. But it's going to get done, but it's going to be a while, you know. Because of what all is going on. Shifting gears. I don't want to sit there and talk about coronavirus. People get sick because that's all they talk about on the news, blah, blah, blah. Hey, you're going to ask you something. As a kid growing up in the 80s and 90s, where would you rank Shoney's as a breakfast place, you know, choice? Where would it rank in Number the back then? I'm not talking about now. This is way before, you know, there were very few Waffle Houses. There sure wasn't any. IHOPs were up north. There weren't any really true breakfast places to go to except your local cafes, I guess you'd say. But where did it rank? I'm talking about these are the days that I'm talking about, Wes, when they actually serve real eggs, real fruit, without any preservatives on them, the real bacon. I mean, everything was homemade, the biscuits. You remember that? Eight ninety nine, all you can eat. I remember it. Oh man, because that was a big, <laughs> that was a big thing. They had the gravy biscuit. Well, now one thing they did not have was tomato gravy, but they had everything you could imagine. All the bacon you could eat. It, it was that was a big thing in the eighties was to go to Shoney's, and if we couldn't, they were the if we couldn't. They are the OG of thick sliced bacon, man. Back back then. They are, and if we couldn't do Shoney's, we would go to the Cotton Patch, and that's where we would get our Oh, breakfast. yeah. Oh, man, the Cotton Patch. Here, here's the reason that I asked that. So a question went around Twitter, and you had to, you had to say, hey, if you, do you remember eating the breakfast at Shoney's? And well, you know, it went around Twitter, and I, I, I guess – Final poll was probably seventy percent of the people never even heard of it. What? Yeah. Oh, because they're used to dinner dinneries. That's that's the, I guess that's the new. Is that what it's called? Dinneries? I, I really don't know. I mean, growing up, growing. Okay, so first of all, I'm I'm forty three. I think forty two, forty three. I forgot. I, I I stopped counting around forty. <laughs> uh, I really did. It, it's it's sad, but uh. Everything is all glued together now, but you know, when I was younger, Shoney's was what you did. You had that, and you also had the Western Sizzle. Uh, oh yeah, that, I forgot about it. yeah. That's what that was another old school you, one. That's what you did. It's what you did. You brought your family in there. 
You could do Shoney's in the morning. You did Western Sizzling at night. You know, because we really didn't have, uh, back then in the 80s and 90s, you didn't have your, your Applebee's and all these other chains, you know. No, heck uh, no, man. No, uh-uh. But also, too, also, too, when you walked into Western Sizzling or a Shoney's, you knew the servers, you knew the cooks, because y'all went to church together, y'all hung out together, you knew their moms, you knew everybody. Or it would be your grandma working there. And there was always the best sweet tea. It was always clean. And like you said, if you wanted thick cut bacon, real, real thick cut bacon, I'm talking, I don't mean this little, it breaks thick, where you got chew on it, like a uh, beef jerky. You go to Shoney's. That's where you went. That was a. Tr- I'm telling you, if you're listening to this, that was a treat back in the '80s. It, it was something. I'm not now. Now, toward the end of its life, the late '90s through the early 2000s, Shoney's was kind of dying off. The, the reason nobody went there anymore, they started using the old powdered eggs. They put the preservatives on the fruit. Uh, the the Biscuits were awful. The bacon turned into something that you you can buy in a box now. The what they call it kind of sandwich bacon. I think it's already kind of pre cooked. It's awful. The sausage had no taste. But back man, back in the old old days, it was it was something to go eat that breakfast bar. It was a big deal it back was, in the eighties. It was, and you know who their who their big time competitor was. And this is going to blow people's mind. But Dave Thomas was on to something. Wendy's had a buffet bar. You could go in there and believe it or not, and people are gonna laugh at this. But I know you remember it. Pizza Hut chili and Wendy's. Bar. Yes, yes, and it was killer. It was absolutely killer. You could walk into Wendy's or Pizza Hut, and it was just a full buffet of salads, soups. It's it. They were offering food at Wendy's. Actually, a baked Wendy's potato bar or something, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Wendy's would be considered a restaurant, not fast food back in the day because their burgers, it I, they used real meat. Kind of like um, people outside of Mississippi don't understand this, and they never really will. You will know exactly what I'm talking about. But Backyard Burgers started in outside of Cleveland, Mississippi. I think that the very first one is still there, and they use real meat. And at the time, Wendy's was using real meat. And that was Shoney's big competition, you know, during the lunch rush, because Wendy's obviously didn't do breakfast. But, uh, I mean, it was different times then. It was so fun. It was just so much fun. Now, you didn't go out to eat back then a lot, man. You ate at home. You, You rarely went out to eat. You know, Saturday night, maybe, to the Crystal, or... If you were lucky, you know, something maybe even better, Glusco's back in the old days. But, hey, another thing that I was thinking about, I I said I I know Wes has a good story with this. So this discussion came up, and I was reading through this long, long thread, uh, best and worst experience with any uh, famous actor, Athlete, um, musician. Oh, oh my God! Think on it a second. I want you to tell me your your Ooh, man and worst experience with somebody like that. I don't. I don't even have to think. Um, I can tell you immediately. Well, for my listeners or your listeners, anybody that knows my family, my dad was a big time musician, so I met a lot of people in the industry, whether it be actors or or music, mainly musicians. I don't even have to think about this. I can tell you my best, and I've met so many, but I'll never forget this. There's two stories. I was, uh, I was in elementary school, or no, I was in junior high, actually, and Daddy called me up, and he goes, hey, man, you want to go to Jackson, Mississippi? And uh, there's a concert. I want to take you to it. 
And I said, well, Daddy, I want to go anywhere with you. You know, he's my idol. He's my dad. And he goes, don't tell your mom. He said, I'm, I'm coming to get you this weekend, you and your little brother. My baby, my baby brother, was so, Lee, was so small. Anyway, Dad picked me up. We drove to the Jackson Coliseum. The very first person I saw sitting there was like an angel to me. It was Bobby Brown, the blonde-headed chick from Warrant Cherry Pie. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, is this serious? He goes, yes, you're going to the Warrant and Kingdom Come show, and you're about to eat dinner with the two bands. I cooked chicken for them. So I'm sitting there, and Bobby Brown's sitting next to me, and all of her blondness and her hotness, and she looks at me, and she goes, you are the cutest thing that I've ever seen in my life. And I started talking, and she looked at my dad, and she goes, you know what? He's going to grow up. He's going to be something. Hey, <laughs> this guy right here. So that stuck with me. Another story, fast forward about 15, 20 years. I, I really don't know. Time is such there. So dad called me again. One of these famous dad calls. Would you like to go to a concert? I'm like, yes, of course, dad. So he said, but you're going to be security. And I said, dad, I, I don't want to be security. He goes, just trust me, backstage security. So I went backstage and my buddies, it was a part of an event. We all did this together. I went backstage, and this guy came up to me with two little Pomeranians on a leash. And he goes, your job tonight is to make sure these Pomeranian dogs do not leave your side. And I said, I don't want to watch these damn dogs. He goes, just, just watch them. It's your job. We're going to pay you at the end of the night. You can get all the beer you want. You can get all the food you want. I said, all right, fine. So I'm backstage with these two Pomeranian dogs. Bonnie Raitt was playing, and she got off, and she walked up. She walked straight up to me, and she goes, oh, thank you for watching my dogs, Bonnie Raitt. And I said, is this really, these are your dogs? She goes, yeah, come on, come on on the bus. Let me get you some water. Uh, so I walked on her bus, Bonnie Raitt and her two Pomeranians, and I'm about to piss on myself because there's the queen herself. And she goes, what did you think about the show? I said, ma'am, I didn't even get to see the show. I, I, I was doing this. She goes, well, what, what would you like to hear? And I said, could you play Angel from Montgomery? And she broke out a guitar, me sitting there, and played Angel from Montgomery on her bus with her two Pomeranian dogs. Worst experience I ever had. <sighs> Panama City, Florida. This had nothing to do with my dad. This is coincidence. Tara Reed and Paris Hilton were up there drunk as hell, giving out shots to everybody. I was at the bar and did not recognize either one of them because they, they did not look like they looked like on television. You know, when you read a magazine, they're all beautiful. Well, these girls here look nasty. 90% of the women around them look beautiful. And that's when I realized, you know, what was going on. Well, I called that girl a bad name because she was trying to bump me off the bar. Well, not only did I get thrown out of the bar, Tara Reed, both, we both got thrown out of the bar. So I was kicked out of Club La Vila in Panama City Beach, Florida. True story. Because of Tara Reed and her friend Paris Hilton. I could go on wow. for hours. Of, I could go on for hours about these stories. There's so many of them. We we actually should do a a, a story once a month. It, it's insane, but yeah, those girls, it hit home with me. Like they're not as pretty as as you see them in real life, you know, because they put on so much makeup. They do so much, you know, the the how they Photoshop faces and you know they they it's it's weird, you know, like like you Instagram want... or Facebook. Go ahead. You know, the one I found interesting that I saw. Oh, man, I, I hope this doesn't go crazy, me saying this, but one name kept popping up as a worst experience, and it's somebody from Mississippi, sports athlete. And I couldn't, like I said, I couldn't believe it. Could, could you possibly guess who that was? It's worst experience. Yes. 
I already know. And how do you think I knew that? Sure. Somewhere <laughs> along the way, you you interacted or something. Yeah. No, I, I have I have friends down in the bird. I'm not going to say their name to protect them, but they have told me, and I love Favre. He's an icon. But uh, from what they've told me, he's he's tough work. I'm just going to leave it at that. Tough work to deal with. You know, great guy, but just, I guess, set in your ways. Would that be? I mean, no, no, no knock on the guy because I would probably be the same way at his age. Hell, I'm that way now. But, yeah, I, I can definitely see that. You so, know, you, apparently, you I'm on to something. The, you, you get to the Favre level, though. Can you imagine the number of people that want to be your friend? Just because it turns into a, 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 it turns into a circus. You know, I was listening it, it, to... It is. The, you know, I was listening to C.J. Johnson last week. He's an athlete that, that played at Ole Miss, linebacker, defensive end. He got ended up getting drafted by the Patriots, got hurt, multiple surgeries, didn't go back to the NFL. And when he made that decision not to play football anymore, he, he, he said on this podcast last week, he lost over 50% of his friends. Nowhere to be found. Well, it lets you, it lets you know exactly what's going on. You know, uh, who who are the real people out there? You know, um, you you got people who who interact, and then you have people that don't. You know, and, and as active as I am in, in the sports community, I can't list those people. Um, I really can't because they all know who they are, and if they're listening, you know who they are. But I can say this. One guy that interacts and has done one hell of a job with the community, and he's golden, and that is Ben Craddock. Ben Ben has has gone a step and be above and beyond what the the normal, I guess you would say, athlete celebrity would do. Um, that guy right there, he's he's solid, very solid. There's nothing negative I could ever say about him. As a person, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to think of a bad experience with with anybody, and I, I can't, really can't. I, I try not to bother anybody if I see them because I, I mean, well, you, not, you know, you know, you know, celebrities too. I mean, I mean, you're well, your buddies I, with Peyton Manning. I mean, you you know people. Well, you know, the the first interaction I ever had with Peyton was in the Grove at Ole Miss, and here's how I know Peyton Manning. I had a great female Labrador retriever, and I bred it with a, a friend of mine's male. Well, the pick of the litter, he was friends with Peyton's wife, and Peyton ended up, you know, she got the dog for Peyton for his birthday. Well, a couple of years later, Peyton, fast forward a couple of years, he's in the Grove for... Uh, I guess it was the year after, so it would have been 2004. And Archie, Eli, Peyton, all were honored on the field before the Ole Miss-Tennessee game. And anyway, I saw him in the Grove, and, you know, I get shoved back. And, uh, you know, plate, Peyton's fixing a plate food, and he has two security guards around him. They keep shoving me back, and I only have enough. And I said, how's Colt? And at that last shove, Peyton turns around and looks at me. And anyway, we sit there and talk for probably fifteen or twenty minutes. And uh, Colt is the name of was the name of his dog at the time that he had gotten from us. And um, and, and also to li- listeners, Peyton. you're taller. You're taller than Peyton Manning. Yeah, you know, you're, probably... you're you're a, you're a big statured guy. A lot of people don't know that. I guess he, He's six four, six five. I guess I'm probably six six. You know, Peyton at the time he said, you know, that is the only thing in this world all he wants out of me is love. Is that dog? Another cool experience I had, and I'll say, you know, sports kind of sports in mind. I shot horse with uh, Shaquille O'Neal one time. Oh, really? And that was a great experience. 
super I bet you nice tore his ass. I bet you tore his ass up on the free throw line. No, he shot left-handed and beat me. Are you kidding me? You are no, a sir. basketball phenom. Literally, that's what you – okay, I was known for speed, football speed. You were known for basketball. And he and it, well, of course he he probably smoked you because he's a Hall of Famer. I was just I was just jabbing at the whole free throw thing. Is that a real thing? The free throw? Oh yeah, big time. Yeah, I mean he can't make a free throw. But I, I guess if I had to say a bad experience, uh, Chris O'Donnell was different. I worked with that movie when it was being shot in Mississippi. Um. Uh, uh, God. The chamber. The, the chamber. chamber. That's what it was. But I worked with that movie, and he was a little different. I, don't, I just don't. He, you know, I think a I heard, lot of times. I heard, you, that, I heard you, that too. If you agree with this, though, Wes, I think that sometimes people that are introverted get chastised because they don't say a lot. May, you know, they're not outgoing as they seem on camera, and they're they're a little introverted, and they're just they're they're smushed by people because they're not who they are on camera. You're exactly right, which leads me to this question: If there's one celebrity, it doesn't matter if it's an athlete or who it is that you could sit down and drink a beer with, who would that be, and just talk a lot? Oh, who would it'd that be, be Jordan. It'd be Jordan. It'd be you know Jordan, who I for do? sure. You know who I, you know who I would sit down and talk life with? Hold on, they've got to be open to everything that you want to talk to them about. Correct. It would be Gene Hackman. Gene Actually, Hackman. Yeah, Crawled ads with Gene Hackman, the actor. Let me tell you about Gene Hackman. Let me tell you a quick story about him, and I laugh at this story. Gene Hackman and his. Uh, famously super attractive young wife were walking down the street. Uh, Gene doesn't have the whole security detail because he's Gene Hackman. Well, you guys listening, you can go YouTube this or Google it, whatever. It, it really happened. Somebody was talking shit to his wife. It was a bum. Gene Hackman turned around and beat the hell out of that guy. And Gene Hackman is pushing. And this, he's got to be in his 70s. He whooped his ass on the side of the road. Said, "You do not talk to my my lady like this." The police came up. Oh, it's Gene Hackman. I guess it is real life. You are a badass. You know, he's one guy that I would talk to. I want I want to pick his brain. I want to pick his brain. You know, one the the other side of it is um, speaking of that kind of that crew from the chamber. Uh, Bo Jackson was there. And, dude, there's no finer gentleman, breeder guy than Bo Jackson. He was totally uh, he, he's awesome. Professional. Professional. I remember when that went down because they recorded scenes of it at uh, Webster's. Webster's, there's that's scene, right. There's a scene because I know my, my friend Robin was telling me about it. She was telling me about it. Uh, hey, Robin, how you doing? If you're listening. But um, she was telling me they, they're – they're filming scenes of it at, at her parents' bar, and it was at Webster's. And actually, look at the movie. I recognize the bar. Of course I would. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's really cool. And it's interesting how many movies Robin's are brother was the bartender in them as an extra, right? What was his name? Uh, John, John Bob. Yeah, John Bob. That's, that's it. That's his name. Hey, John Bob, if you're listening. Uh, that That's his name, yeah. I don't know if he was bartending at night, but I knew I, I just I remember that scenario when it went down because it was, it was a big deal. Uh, it, it, back in those days in the '90s, you had all these celebrities coming in there, and it kind of took off because so many other movies have taken place since that time, and unfortunately, most of them were negative movies, but there was a positive ending. And 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 the guy behind all of this was John Grisham. John Grisham lived. He's from Mississippi State. And what was a crazy deal, he was a state graduate, but he had this mansion in Oxford off of Highway 6. 
if you come into Ole Miss, you look on the right, he was that big mansion on your right. That's where he lived. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of weird how that actually happens. He ended up going to graduate school at Ole Miss and loved Oxford. Loved Mississippi State, but he loved Oxford, the town. Yeah. I could, I could see why. But, you know, for all the listeners out there, you all know, if you went to State and Ole Miss in, in the 90s or 80s, it's changed a whole lot. The only one that hasn't changed in this state is Southern Miss and Delta State. They look identical. Even the trees look the damn same. You know, some of the old places, though, like like in Starville, you you had the landing, which is no longer there. Do you remember that old bar? Right. It was out yep. old 82. Uh, yep. In Oxford, you had the gin. Uh, I mean, everybody oh my God. gin. In Cleveland, you had rumors, which I don't, I don't guess it exists anymore. No, the building's still there, I believe, but it's not there anymore. My dad, his uh, band used to play there a lot. The Cracker Jacks used to play there a lot. Uh, yeah. Cover band, cover band from Greenville, Mississippi, the great Charlie Ross. Uh, I used to play there a whole lot. Man, that was, what was a fun time. What was the back in the mid nineties? There was a there was a band that traveled everywhere through the South. They had a a, a, a girl or a lady for the lead singer. And, gosh, man, they well, let, let, let's see. In the nineties, uh, mid nineties, ninety ninety four, ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven. In there, I could tell you. I, I do remember in the 90s, though, the, the, the great Heath Ronison, uh was Spank the Monkey, but he didn't have a – he played the dock a lot. You didn't – there was no female singer. I, I really don't know this. Is it – you're talking about a cover band, an actual cover yeah. band? Yeah. Garrett Carver, would, he'd know it right off the bat. He, it, something green, mean green, lip, something. I can't remember what it was called. Man, I couldn't My brain tell you. doesn't work couldn't like it used to. Couldn't tell you, but somebody out there, if you're listening to this, please chime in and let us know who it is because we are no. both stumped. Law, Law of Nature, was that it? Law, you did it. You did it. Yeah. I was just about to I was about to send out a mercy call and have somebody tell us. Law of Nature, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man, they were, they were good. Woo! I, yeah, I we had the Kudzu Kings, the, too. Kudzu Kings, man. Woo! They were big time back then. Great bands. Great, great bands. Played a lot of social events back then. So Yeah, it's wild how much music came from the from Mississippi. It is insane the amount of music came from Mississippi. You know, you go that you go down if you're from Chicago, Saint Louis, and you go down you look you go down the blues trail. And this is nuts for me to say. You go down the Blues Trail. Before these people died, these statues like the great Duff Duro, I remember him being in my dad's living room playing music. Uh, there's a statue of him now. A lot. There's so many musicians from Mississippi. There's current musicians that are better than just about any musician I've ever even listened to on the radio that, that will never even be famous. They're that good. It's, it's, it's instilled in our body. It, it's part of us. We're just a different breed, you know. Like oh, you, do, you do your hunt. You you do your hunting. You do you you got your hunting gig on the side. Guarantee you, some of the best hunters in this entire world are from right here in Mississippi. Oh, you got? I mean, Bill Jordan, Oxy. Toxie from Mossy Oak, Will Primos, some of the largest companies dealing with hunting were started right here. Food, some of the best food in the world. We talked about it last week, and we're going to talk about that more coming up soon. But, Wes, we are oh, out of time. Think on that, man. I love hearing those old stories about run-ins with uh, celebrities. Think about that. I, 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 I could do it. I could do it. I could do it. I, I There's so many stories I could touch on. I know we're out of time, and oh my God, I want to touch on Mike Tyson. Maybe we can do it on the next podcast. 
but that was that was killing me. Oh my god! But uh, it was one hell of a podcast, man. I think I think we had oh. so much to talk about it. We had so much to talk about. We just could not do it all. Wow, you know? it's uh, I've really enjoyed it. I'll tell you this: one closing thought. I had no idea. Look, when we hit East Dallas coming in, I bet it took us an hour, hour and a half to get across to Fort Worth. That town has really grown in the past ten to fifteen years. They have tons of land to grow on too. It will continue wow. to grow. That is a booming town. Booming, booming town. It is. I agree. So, totally. Well, we will get back together soon, Wes. I enjoyed it. Thank you again. We want to thank all of you that listened to this edition of the End of the Line podcast, Power, on DuckSouth.com.